do you want me to record audio from my side like uh the the audio the audio locally or anything or are you just just put no in the... i'm just going to use the zoom if that's okay yeah. with you it, sure. it records both separately and it's come out oh like pretty good i haven't a yeah, I've, I've, so and and you've actually got the the video on Spotify, which is I've only seen with Joe Rogan. So. Oh, you you had a look. Um, I'm yeah. flattered that you even had a look. By the way, that's total chance. If you have a video file, Spotify always basically does it. Yeah. Okay. Nice. I didn't realize. Yeah. It's not deliberate. I I don't. Admittedly, I I know people, and I have done myself watched podcasts on YouTube. I don't know many people that will intentionally go to Spotify to watch podcasts. No. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> but. Dr. Rohin Francis, welcome. Thank you. I thought I wouldn't go in as um, the Archbishop of Banterbury and introduce you as my one of my favourite midfluencers because I've only been recently introduced to that, or just a YouTuber, because I think that would be slightly insulting. But you are a consultant cardiologist, amongst many other things. Where where do you get the time? <laughs> with yeah. such an incredibly important job, with the correct content you create, the the effort, and I gather, without being presumptuous, the passion that you put into science communication. Where 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 does it come from? I think the key thing is that I I enjoy doing it, so it's it's kind of like a a, a hobby for me, and it's become sort of a hobby that takes up quite a lot of time, but I, I still um, get. A lot of enjoyment from creating the videos and and trying to get concept across to to you know to people um and you know if some people find it useful that's fantastic i hope i hope they do but um i i yeah the job itself does take up a lot of time and then obviously kids and everything they'll, they'll always uh, be the first priorities but um there's always a little bit of time now and again, I'm, my output is slow. And sometimes when I chat to other content creators and I, I even the phrase kind of gets my hackles up a bit, it's um, a slightly cringy phrase. But when I talk to other people who make videos or whatever it is, TikToks or YouTubes or anything, um, they sometimes say they feel pressure to you know, produce content and maybe they have a weekly schedule or something like that. And it becomes a bit of a chore and it becomes, you know, like a, a job. Some of them, obviously it is their job, but other people um, who are doing it on the side, like me, are, are creating a bit of self-imposed pressure. And I, I said from the beginning that I don't want to do that. So, you know, I, I want to keep enjoying it and um, just make time when I can. And if it means I go a few months without putting a video up, then, you know, so be it. But yeah, right now I'm still having great time yeah I, I definitely find that's the best way well personally to go about things is when that's that self-imposed pressure of i have to do this something i'm certain there's been studies into this as well when people transfer something they see as a hobby into mm. something that is monetized or something they feel they have to do that the happiness factor massively drops within that where did your interest in i guess science communication come from did that come from your involvement initial involvement in medicine and kind of expanding that because i know you do talks about space space babies um, why certain appendages aren't that aren't dicks can be dicks and things like that <laughs> yeah. and this involvement is that where did the i guess the 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 want, the need, the desire to take your knowledge and share it with the masses, but in a really palatable and I have to say refreshing way, because I find with this almost informed way of thinking and social media content at the moment, like everything is reduced into sound bites and phrases or stoic quotes. And actually, I find what's really quite enjoyable about your content is that it is lengthy, it's nuanced, it's well thought out it's obviously well planned if you don't mind me saying um much like my, i gather my first time of probably watching stand-up as i thought oh that just comes off their tongue like that they're just thinking about that on stage in the moment you obviously put a lot of, of thought into this which means it has to be a huge passion of yours where did that initially come from i think i was always quite interested in writing so i i, I saw myself as a kind of journalist on as a side thing um from sort of uni days you know i would edit the student paper and that kind of thing and I kind of always had this journalistic interest um and then you know for years when I was a junior doctor it just kind of went sat on the back burner I was busy with with the job and everything um and then it was actually when I was doing a PhD and I had a bit more time on my hands and one of my friends said you know I've always given presentations kind of with a jokey fun kind of uh, you know I've always tried to introduce a bit of humor into just professional things that I do and he said why don't you just 
you know, film yourself doing one of your presentations. And um, then that kind of became the YouTube channel. And I do wish I had started earlier. That's my one big regret. Mm. And if anyone listening is thinking about starting a podcast like this or a YouTube channel or whatever is just go for it. You know, like um, you're never going to be perfect to begin with. And that doesn't matter. You know, I, I, I do wish that I had started earlier. That's that's the, the one thing I'd change because a lot of the big channels that I really enjoy and I've, you know, I'm lucky to have got to know quite a few of them now. Um, the, the key thing was they were, they were early adopters and obviously they are very good channels. They've, they've stood the test of time, but they all got in early on and, and I kind of, um, you know, wish I had, but uh, yeah. So then I just started, you know, putting a few videos up and trying to combine comedy with, with um, medicine. And I didn't see many people kind of doing that. So thought I'd, carve out a little niche and yeah it's, it's kind of been going great yeah did that did that was that something that came quite natural to you because i know like stand up is kind of aside what you do as well but it's it's i think it's like wonderful how you've managed to combine them because i think it's and i found this quite a lot because i deliver quite a lot of well-being talks for businesses and things it's how you communicate things in person to how you are remotely is, is totally different and I found there's obviously more of a, a visual aspect when you're delivering remotely because people have got that zoom fatigue they've been sitting there with their mics off they've been sitting there with their screens off so you have to engage them another way and the fact that you can combine these two but also do that in person I imagine that's quite challenging but also the, the added humor and comedy elements add something to it there yeah, I try and I try and inject humor if I can. And, um, you know, I always hesitate to call myself a comedian. I, I think I, I'm, I'm a science communicator who does a bit of jokes. I wouldn't say I'm a comedian, but and the stand up stuff is is great fun. But the stand up events I've done have all been kind of, you know, a bit tame audiences with a little kind of geeky events and stuff. I haven't been to like a working men's club on a Saturday night and had like pint glasses thrown at me, but <laughs> um, uh, that would, that would be very scary, uh, that kind of environment. But um, yeah, it's, you know, it's a very different kind of thing doing a video and um, comedy. Although, you know, to be honest, I think this is where YouTubers and, and content creators have really led the way because now you're seeing so many stand-up comedians trying to pivot, especially during the pandemic, to online. And some have done it really well, like Andrew Schultz. Um, yeah, that's who's bringing to mind, actually. He's uh, his series that popped up. He, yeah, he, yeah. So so I, I thought that was really good in the pandemic. Um, but now, you know, with, with sort of a lot of Netflix specials being generated from people's kind of YouTube presence. Uh, it's really changed the landscape. So um, I still prefer video if I had to choose to do one. I, I, I like that because kind of for the reasons you said, I can kind of plan it out and make it exactly what I want. And the beauty of podcasts, the beauty of YouTube is you can have that longer format and people have the appetite for it, you know, and I know they're pushing YouTube shorts and everything right now, obviously a sort of response to TikTok. But um, for me, I, I like that longer form. Mm. So I am more of a consumer of podcasts and longer videos. Um, and uh, I, I, you know, that's still the thing that kind of, I feel is most creative, but uh, the in-person stuff is is fun too. It doesn't, really pay anything so that's kind of just doing it for the enjoyment and um you know you were saying about sort of zoom presentations and stuff i think that's one area i'm you know i, I is, a, is a weak point i i struggle i i, I don't I, I really need to have that kind of either completely one way like a video or a bit of audience interaction and mm. when i'm giving presentations on uh, zoom or teams i i, I really struggle i i just don't because you know if you tell a joke you have no idea how it's gone down yeah. Yeah. So um, then I just try and probably just end up being really serious. Yeah. Not that it's exactly the same, but I always, I'm a big fan of stand up and that you, you know, what I've heard of comics speak about, you know, bombing and yeah. just probably eating it on stage. And I just think, and exactly that when you're delivering things online, especially like the Zoom and everyone's got their screens off, you've got no kind of visual feedback at all because in, you know, in a room, you've got some sort of eye contact or you've got a nodding head or a tilt of the head. You've got something to yeah. go off of, but you just, you, you can't gauge the room at all. And it's essentially talking to yourself, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's painful. It's painful. <laughs> and then the, the midfluencers thing that you introduced me to recently, I can't believe I've never heard of that phrase. 
the the rise of the midfluencers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is uh, sort of where I waste a lot of my time just following. I'm morbidly fascinated by these kind of the different midfluencer um, arenas that there are, and um, you know, there's some super cringy stuff, and then you know, some stuff that I think is genuinely. Mm. unprofessional like re really you know questionable and of course there are lots of people who could be described as men influencers who are doing great work and and, and spreading yeah. you know great information so it's it's all all elements but yes i i like to be let's say a little outspoken i'm i'm quite happy to call a spade a spade and um there's there's a lot of terrible stuff out there yeah, we've got a couple of mutual friends who've had these conversations with because I'm mm. always conscious that you know I'm a, I'm a huge fan of medics, I'm a huge fan of the NHS and everything that everyone does, and especially those of as you said that are putting out some really valuable and important content out there. Those that are, I guess, against the status quo and they will actually speak their mind. Obviously, professionally, I think that's quite important how we communicate that stuff because no one really likes being held abuse, and I, I think that switches people off. But the I guess that the interesting part to me, which I'm always cautious about, especially, I guess, uh, would it be fair to say, I don't want to make an assumption on, on your years of wisdom, but we're uh, 30s? Yeah, yeah, end of my 30s. Yeah. Okay, okay, we're, we're both there, that's fine to say. So probably our parents' generation is that doctors, especially medics, whatever, you know, that, that specialist field, is that, that it does carry some gravitas, it has this weight, this authority bias, that regardless of whether or not the necessity saying is informed, it's factually true, or it's been medically researched, it's that is gospel. So uh, it does, I, I'm always curious about the, I guess, medics capitalizing on authority bias. And it, it was quite imp impressive, I guess, in a way, in a really crass way, is those that aren't even practicing that are, are capitalizing on that. Because I, I know of quite a few, I guess it would be borderline, I can specifically refer to I'm working in health and fitness, like doctors, non-practicing doctors, or haven't been practicing for years that are putting doctor so-and-so's supplements to questionable sure. supplements, even from yeah. my, my limited nutritional and, and fitness kind of understanding aren't based in any sort of fact. What's your kind of thoughts on that? And do you think there should be, without putting words in your mouth, something called, I don't know, like the vetting process in which that if you aren't a practicing doctor, there should be a certain disregard to the doctor status. I don't know whether. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot to say, isn't there? So, so for sure, I, I totally agree with the um, appeal to authority that, you know, doctors can use sometimes quite cynically. Um, and, you've even got people who are medical students you haven't even graduated who are allowing people to think that they are doctors they may not explicitly say it but they'll they'll have names like medic or something you know and then you you do a bit of digging and and they're not even graduated um that's not to say a medical student can't be giving great information so i always try and judge you know what people are saying on on their merits but for sure people you know are using that as a as a mark of of authority and from within medical circles you know we will say oh so and so is fresh out of medical school they've been working two months where someone like me who's quite long in the tooth i've been you know practicing over 15 years um obviously that my our experiences are going to be quite different but i think to the general public doctor is a doctor you know oh. and th there's not always that appreciation that somebody might not have relevant um, expertise in the field and I think a lot of the areas on online which are particularly vulnerable to this are fitness kind of related stuff nutrition skincare you know the, you've got a lot of people who who claim to be experts who aren't necessarily genuinely credentialed in the field and you know they will they can anybody can call themselves like some skin expert or a fitness expert it doesn't mean anything i mean what what is your actual qualification so your quality control is difficult and the question i'm asked most of the time by um you know viewers or people on twitter is is, is how do i tell you know how do i know and it's a really difficult question it's a really it's a really hard one to answer because i think 99% of people can spot a complete quack you know so if somebody's invoking some you know spiritual thing or some sort of hocus pocus magic that they're 
essential oil will cure your cancer. I think most people would say, okay, that's, that's BS. But if somebody has got a very sciencey sounding kind of, um, you know, what they're saying, and they may come out with a lot of very in-depth mechanistic things, they may describe cellular pathways or, or talk about some sort of, you know, physiology, then I think to the, the lay person, oh, this, this person really knows what they're talking about. But then their, their view might be completely outside the consensus, you know, completely outside what is deemed normal or, or evidence-based. And that's kind of a separate topic in itself, which I'm sure we can come on to about, you know, people going against the grain, like I'm, I'm the doctor who's got the secrets and, you know, I've, I've got these this information that others won't tell you but ignoring that for one second you know there is a general consensus on you know say for example non-health related climate change there are some people on online who will say that climate change isn't real but 99.5 percent of scientists all believe the same thing so either this tiny little fringe group are, are smarter than everybody else or this is just people just trying to generate sort of um uh, a following online and the same thing happens in health and we've seen this with you know dietary recommendations people will gain a lot of traction by deliberately contradicting medical guidelines and the problem is is that there are occasions through history where medical guidelines have been overturned you know where knowledge has changed and we've kind of seen the whole thing happen in fast forward with covid you know there there have been the same kinds of um binary divisions of um, this works, this doesn't work. And the reality of most of these things and most things in science is it's always kind of a bit more nuanced than that. There's always a bit of, you know, a gray area. And I think social media just really guides people to these fringes and it's really polarized and, and caused a lot of extremism. So that was kind of a rambling answer to, you, to your question. <laughs> but, um, um, you know, there, there's there's a lot to say about it for sure. Yeah, I think it's, it's largely because a lot of them have such a huge platform as well. It's kind of difficult, almost impossible to totally ignore. And I, I guess what would your advice be for people maintaining a, a healthy level of scepticism? Because I think like when people we talk about evidence based, people get quite upset and think, you know, people should be more critical thinkers, etc. But that's quite an abstract thing for people unless you're yeah, I agree, well yeah. versed in what critical thinking actually is. But I guess something a lot of people could get their head around is like, how do I maintain a healthy level of skepticism? Like, are they talking in absolutes? What sort of things should I be looking out for? Because sometimes the hardest thing to dispel, I know you referenced it on your Twitter recently. I don't, I'd only seen it through your Twitter, but Huberman talking about breathing, teaching people how to breathe. And because of these complex mechanisms they talk, and I, I haven't listened to that episode, admittedly, behind that is people just nod their head in agreement because they don't really know how to challenge that. They don't know what to be looking for outside of what that person has said because they are a doctor, they're well-versed, they've got a huge platform, lots of people listen to them. Where yeah. do they start? Yeah, it's 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 super tough. Uh, you know, And, and someone like Andrew Huberman, who uh, I, first thing I'd say is, I'm not at all suggesting that even the majority of what he says is 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 questionable or anything like that. But he does have a tendency to say things that are, are not evidence based and, you know, will really veer off into some sort of strange territory sometimes. Um, and that, I think, is a really challenging one for people to to, to spot, because even scientists will sometimes come to me and say, what did you think of, you know, so and so? And I, and I kind of feel like you know, you're, you're trained in science, you understand that his expertise, he's a, he's a basic science retinal biologist, essentially, you know, the eye. And so do you think that he can have expertise in all of these fields? This is not at all to attack him. Nobody can. Mm. You know, I, I try not to speak outside of my area of expertise. And if I do, I make it clear that I'm not an expert, but I'm trying to figure out the question, the answer myself, you know, and I can use skills about sort of doing medical research or something to try and find an answer, but I'm absolutely not an expert in everything. So I think maybe the one easy tip with, with that is don't, you know, some of the people and, and in, that, in that Twitter thread, I was sort of highlighting some of the comments beneath his video is, is 
almost of elevating an individual to a cult-like status. Don't get all of your information from a single source. So that, that's an easy one. You know, if you find some sort of podcaster or YouTube channel who who you just really click with and think that everything they say is gospel, then you should challenge that. You know, you should you should look for other sources of information. Are they saying things that other scientists agree with are they saying something completely different you know is it likely they will have some special secret information that nobody else is party to or you know are they actually just a sort of fringe character and um so i think that's that's a, a actionable tip the second would be if it's too good to be true it probably is you know i think that's the other thing is is when people say oh beetroot juice is going to you know, in improve in your running time, um, then that's harmless. You know, beetroot, I'm not, I'm not going to care if people go out and start drinking beetroot juice. It's based on a little kernel of, of truth. You know, there was a, some studies that suggested beetroot juice as a donor of nitric oxide can uh, improve blood, blood circulation, but it has no meaningful clinical benefit or every Olympic athlete would be like mainlining beetroot juice before they go and run, you know? And so we, we know that uh, if, if something just sounds kind of like, Oh, I, surely I would have heard of that before. If it sounds a bit too good to be true, then it probably is. Now beetroot juice is harmless, but a lot of the time it's not a lot of the time they're selling something. They're selling some supplement. They're selling some workout, you know, um, pre-workout or some sort of, you know, uh, fitness related supplement. Um, and a lot of the things that go into these are unregulated. You know, a lot of the time that, that you know, they haven't gone through the, the usual safety mechanisms that, that that drugs would go through and, and, and they cost money, you know, even if they're totally safe, I don't want people spending their money on things that aren't going to help. Um, and again, I think there's nuance to that. You know, I don't want to be one of the, I'm not one of those doctors that is very anti anything outside the medical kind of world. I think the medical world does what it does really well, but I think it does a lot of things really badly, you know, and I think there is that market for um, people who are interested in alternative medicine and, and, and things outside of conventional medicine, which conventional medicine does poorly, you know, so I'm not at all suggesting that you can't look for other things to optimize your performance or to improve your health, but I just don't want people being conned. I don't want people being misled that a certain thing is going to do something it won't because uh, not only will they lose money, but it, it can lead to people not doing proven things because they think there's something else is going to, to do the job. And, you know, the worst case scenario is people not um, uh, taking evidence-based medicine in favor of something else for something really serious, you know, like cancer or something. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, that that's kind of, my my main objection but yeah i think those are the two things that you can easily do is try and seek more than one source try and challenge your assumptions try and look for people who say different things and try not to get uh, fooled by promises that seem a bit too good yeah i caught a documentary actually on bbc3 i'm sure it still is on bbc3 online the iplayer a little while ago and it was about a gent that he had um, been diagnosed with cancer unfortunately got caught up in all this almost a well-being cult and this some of the information amongst many of the other things they was like exchange your cbd for your chemo basically mm. you know I, I gather from a a place of desperation people are willing to try anything but i think it's the danger is when you uh, by the way this is anyone listening i'm not making medical suggestions here but perhaps the information would be do your chemo but if you want to try the the cbd stuff as well do that but the, exactly. the real dangerous part is as you said step away from the conventional proven scientific evidence-based um medical intervention and try this totally abstract strange thing and that's quite again two two other challenges i was thinking about when you were talking about that is, is firstly actively looking outside your echo chamber because mm. we all have this habit of cultivating this little echo chamber where everyone's patting each other on the back because no one really likes to be challenged online because we know social media is actually a terrible place to to debate anything anyway because no one well i haven't seen anyone hold their hands up and go do you know what 
you're right, I'm wrong on anything. Ever. Well, I think I think if they do, which is a perfectly good thing to do, yeah, that I'd shows like that to you see are, you know, yeah. changing your mind, then they're they're just uh, castrated. Uh, sorry, they they are crucified <laughs> by um, you know, uh, by often their their followers, you know. So yeah. so um, it's tough to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Then there's a the, the performative element of that. Once you've you've grown a certain following that are dependent on a certain polarized view of things you have to play mm. up to that to appeal totally, to yeah. audience and then it's distinguishing between misinformation which i, I guess I, I can certainly reflect on the last 10 15 years is we've all kind of been guilty of sharing the odd thing and not fact checking it and then the deliberate disinformation which is the consciously um aware snake mm. oil salesman if you like they're, they're deliberately out there exploiting people and trying to manipulate them so th there are so many factors to think about which is I, I try to take a a compassionate view of these things and understand why people get caught up in it oh yeah i, I never criticize time, i get people. cross with myself and i get cross with my peers and i think are we just all enablers are we just you know part of the problem here yeah i mean i, th I think that's that's a that's a, a valid question, and I do see it different in different um, across different sort of social media platforms. And I do think Instagram is particularly bad because I, I, I see a lot of sort of patting each other on the back and a lot of people platforming each other um, when they know that. They, that like there's a very big medical podcast it's run by a doctor in in the uk and um uh well it's, i don't mind saying it it's, it's rangan chatterjee's podcast feel live live well feel better i think that's what it's called and um again you know plenty of great advice and just general stuff but multiple guests on that show um have been complete quacks you know and mm. then I, um, the host had had said a little while ago on Twitter saying, oh, people are attacking me for who I invite. I believe that we should have varied conversations and, you know, we should listen to different viewpoints. That It's a great soundbite. But, yeah. you know, you're a medically trained doctor. You should be able to push back on on people or you shouldn't invite somebody who who you know has got incorrect medical views. And I find that this is this, is this kind of self, um, this mutually congratulatory thing and somebody will put some post up which is just gibberish and everyone will just kind of clap and do some emojis underneath because they want to chase the clout you know if somebody's got 500,000 followers they want they want a bit of the action they want to you know be their friend and uh, maybe it's because I'm quite antisocial and and don't really um care too much about making friends but that's why I'm I'm sort of happy to call it out but as a result you know I my following is minute um, compared to all of this and uh, I think if you are that kind of middle of the road sensible slightly cynical person you know and I'd put you in that category as well I think that you know the stuff you say is all sensible you know but then you know you're not none of us are seeing that the the, the wild sexy. growth in our following as well, somebody yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so you know it's 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 frustrating it's frustrating and mm. sometimes people will you know they'll privately tell me Oh, did you see that post from? Oh God, how could she say that? How could he say that? I'm like, why are you liking the post then? I mean, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the other thing, isn't it? The politics of it, the performative element is you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. And yeah, totally. the most, I guess, compelling thing I've, I've kind of thought around it is this sense of, and by the way, to your point, is I, I consider that a, a real ethical responsibility that if you do consider yourself a credible, evidence based professional, is that it is kind of your job to disseminate the information but give possibly both sides of it and i see especially on my side with fitness and nutrition uh, and then men, people call themselves mental health coaches that you're only getting one aspect of it and it's the aspect that that audience likes to hear about but um i've heard david grimes speak about false balance and you know mm. as a personal responsibility thing is some things just aren't even worth platforming and discussing because of that. And it almost elevates it to this point where people consider these things in equal measure when actually. Yeah. I think that's, that's that a very good point. Yeah. Totally irrelevant. And perhaps we shouldn't be giving those people platforms at all, but that's easier said than done, especially when, you know, it's my industry, there is, there is no authority, no regulatory body. And who would you give that? responsibility too where I, I gather medics it is slightly different there are consequences uh 
I mean, you say that, but you know, we've had some people really go off the rails recently, and um, oh, I, I, I don't know whether you want me to mention it. Oh, mate, you, you're welcome to. It's only my mum and one other listens to this. That's why I'm saying so <laughs> you, you've, you've given up your time. So if you want to mention names, but yeah, specifically one. Uh, yeah, I mean, so a fellow cardiologist um, called Asim Mahotra, who um, uh, you know for many years uh, was a kind of a bit of a left field voice when it come to when it came to fat in the diet and statins and things like that and, you know I, I i didn't mind that i had time for that it's good to have different viewpoints on things and you know i i, I didn't have a problem and, and we 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 still follow each other and we we've talked um several times but more recently has really kind of gone off the deep end when it comes to vaccines and you know i consider myself quite a vaccine centrist you know i'm, I'm not I've I've always from the beginning been against mandating vaccines. I'm pleased actually that the UK didn't follow the the American kind of model at all. I I've made videos about the kind of um, poor evidence for for young young people, particularly children, and so I, uh, you know, I'm I'm not someone who's who's very zealous either way, but some of the stuff he he said is just completely unfounded, and. It's really been just quite alarming how 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 much he's changed, and of course he's seen a huge boost in his followers as well. Um, and several people re- reported him to the General Medical Council, which is our regulatory body, which you know provides our licenses, and they have updated their social media policy in recent years, so it is more up to date. I mean, a few years ago it was absolutely hopeless like it was it sort of predated social media it just looked sounded completely archaic and it's a bit more up to date now um still got some odd things but basically they came back and said um you know we're not going to do anything it's it's kind of not not within our remit and there is a clause of bringing the profession into disrepute is 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 a thing that they can um reprimand you for but uh, they said you know, nothing. I think a lot of people got a kind of boilerplate response, which mm. was shared online. And it just kind of said, you know, and I thought that was probably one of the most heinous examples of a medic saying incorrect stuff. So if they're not going to go after that, it does kind of feel like actually you can say whatever you want. Yeah, you know, I, I really don't think that there's much um, regulation and there's even less in other countries. Australia, interestingly, has much stricter regulation really much stricter for, for, for medics there. Um, so, you know, swings and roundabouts. But um, when it comes to uh, what, I can't remember what you were saying beforehand now. Um, uh, oh, sort of fitness and sort of regulation and stuff. Oh, yeah, you were talking yeah, about who, platforming. Who the regulatory body for fitness. I don't think there's anyone I can think of that's responsible enough. No, and, and, and it is tough. Like, where do you draw the line? You know, you were mm. saying sort of, um, uh, should you platform somebody with sort of wild ideas? And, you know, sometimes I see big debunking accounts with hundreds of thousands of followers pulling some random Twitter account with six followers and saying, oh, look at that. And like, nobody would have seen that unless you brought it up. So I feel like that's kind of not achieving it. You're just mm. preaching to the choir. You, you know, your audience already knows it's not true. But then if somebody comes out with some kind of cockeyed theory about covid um, in the middle of the sort of peak pandemic, and they, they start telling people to you know inhale bleach or something, then you know when do you come out and and oppose that? When it's got a hundred people retweeting it? When it's got a thousand people? So you know there is no line. So I I wouldn't know where to to say you need to tackle something or not. Like what what point does it need to get to for it to be discussed? Because mm. there's all this talk of, you know, um, shining, what's the, shining the light of, uh, I don't know, I forget the expression now, but sort of um, the, the the light of bring something to light and, and you will blow away the, you know, the, the dis- dispel the, the rumors if you, if you tackle things head on. I don't know if that's true. You mm. know, I don't know if that's true because there, there's all kinds of things about flat earth or something but you still have people believing it so i don't know if bringing something into the open always helps and then there's the opposing kind of thing of giving them the oxygen of publicity so should we just allow them but then in the age of social media people have their echo chambers and you'll have these people believing these things 
going unquestioned. So I don't know who would determine what things we need to yeah. cover. And as you said, I don't know who would be the regulatory body in something like fitness. And then there's a conversation about free speech as well as, you know, people should have a right to express their views, but yeah. are they arguably dangerous or not? I don't, I don't know. If it's purely speculative, I know you, you wouldn't know for sure, but I, I gather that might have received a few complaints, the the information around the COVID and being particularly anti-vaccine. What would you, I guess, if you can, speculate as to the reason why they didn't pursue that or they didn't take any further measures? Or I don't know, actually. It's it's an interesting question. I think, I, I, I mean, this is pure speculation. I, I don't know. Um, I wonder if they are actually a little bit apprehensive about the backlash that would happen because he might use it as a kind of, I've been silenced. You know, right. he, he's not sure. really practicing anymore. Um, so it's not really going to negatively affect him in a big way if he if he loses medical license. He might use it as a badge of honor. Mm. He might, you know, use it, that ha-ha, the authorities are on to me kind of thing. Um, but um, it, it's also, you know, if sometimes when I have, you know, um, tweeted things to him, and I, like I say, we have a civil relationship, and, and I... I uh, uh, we both lost our mums around the same time. And, you know, we talked about that. And then more recently, his dad passed away. And, you know, he's really been going through a rough time. And I think that's all part of it. So I've I've always tried to be uh, civil and, and, and engage with him. But when I have said anything sort of saying, you know, why are you saying that? I, I get jumped on by the kind of his fans mm. who are not as polite as him. And it can be quite you know, um, stressful. It, it can really tax tax you mentally, and and they say some horrendous things, mm. and they accuse you of all kinds of all kinds of things. So I wonder if there's also an element that the GMC just kind of don't want that heat. But mm. I don't know. I mean, that that's that's complete complete speculation. It may well be that they just determined that social media is kind of, you know, he he's allowed to say what he wants. So. I don't know. I, I don't know if this, I, I'm not even saying it's the wrong decision. I, I don't know if it's the right or the wrong decision. I don't envy them. Mm. I'm, I'm not criticizing them, but it, it was just interesting that that was a case study because there are people doing very different kinds of things online. For example, you know, selling um, unlicensed treatments or offering treatments on social media. You're not supposed to solicit you know, medical custom like that on online. You shouldn't be giving advice, medical advice online. And people are doing that left, right and center. Um, so it, it kind of feels like the GMC are probably a little bit toothless when it comes to online stuff. Yeah, uh, there's so much of it, I guess, to tackle as well. And that's actually a really important point of consideration you mentioned there is even if you do feel like it's your responsibility to a certain degree professionally, because I know I've certainly commented on people with much larger platforms you know, posts before, uh, either to be totally ignored or to be jumped on by their followers. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's not nice. I do think you have to be fairly thick-skinned and social media has this capacity to dehumanise people. So, you know, the way people speak to each other sometimes, I can honestly say I've, I've never... I've never called someone names in the comments before, but mm. you see of some of the things that people write, and it's it's uh, pretty disgusting at times. Yeah, it's, it's, it's awful. And so I would never criticize someone for just keeping their nose out i mean you know just just staying out of it yeah. like I, I and i think i do that more and more these days mm. um because you know it's it's just more mentally calm to have a, have a quiet life um and and the people who really get a thrill out of it I, you know i think that's maybe they've got a screw loose as well but um you know i so i'm not at all suggesting that people have to call stuff out um, I just think you, you also don't need to praise stuff as well. You can just, sure. just be neutral. Yeah. Yeah. That is a really hard one. I must ask, ask you why, why the specialism in cardiology? I just always thought the heart was, was cool, to be honest. Um, uh, I just, is, is uh, it quite insulting when you see on Valentine's day and stuff, it reduced. <laughs> it's not with pit, no, that's pit. our day. That's like, that's <laughs> like, a, that's our Christmas. Um, that's the, that's the day. We, and I tell all the other specialties, I said, where's, where's your day? You know, there's no liver day. There's no stomach day. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, no. I, I mean, I, we, we play along with all the gags and everything. Um, I think part of it is it's clean. 
I have a very low tolerance for stinking bodily fluids and like uh, mucus and others. Uh, So it's quite, you know, blood is is fine. I can deal with blood and um, uh, it's cool, you know. Was that something that came out of your training that you 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 shadowed some work or you began some work there and you thought I just yeah I think as, when I was kind of towards the end of medical school I um uh did a, a cardiology job and I just found it fascinating the, the physiology side of it um is I'm really interested in and you know that's sort of led into my interest in kind of sports side of things as well so um sports physiology obviously is a, is a big area, but the kind of cardiovascular side I'm, I'm quite interested in. And that's kind of my, uh, you know, I'm very much not in the fitness space uh, in, in, you know, as a, as an influencer or anything, but my, my interest is in that, in that kind of cardiovascular aspect to it. And uh, you know, that's, that's a, a big part of, of um, sports as well. It, 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 and of medicine as well is, is people interested in, in kind of training and stuff. So um, yeah, no, it's, it's really cool. And and I like that exercise is, is a major part of what I talk about with patients and um, I try and practice what I preach as much as I can. <laughs> so, what what um, do you enjoy doing in terms of? I mean, nowadays um, I've just built a gym in my, in my garage. So just trying to get back into, I, I, basically hadn't done much for a while except you know running and stuff um while I moved house and and everything but uh tennis and cricket are my kind of two main main sports but um you know anything when you know you've as as you know as well when you've got young kids it's just any anything you can do is is a bonus like I will go weeks barely doing any dedicated exercise sometimes and I'm trying to trying to make it more of a regular habit now. But running around after them keeps you on your toes anyway. I find you, you need a certain level of fitness to chase after them. <laughs> oh yeah, and they're always demanding to be carried and chucked in the air. And yeah. but the one thing now is I, I've just um, just turned uh, forty. Uh, the injuries are really are really getting much much worse now. <laughs> like they're, they're not just from t- turning in the wrong direction too. Oh, just yawning or something. <laughs> but uh, but but the thing they just you know they don't fully heal now like i like had a shoulder thing for like six months and it's just uh you, you really feel your body start to fall to pieces yeah uh, a fairly serious question i guess apart from all-round mortality how important is physical activity for the heart oh i mean not just the heart but for for, for everything uh exercise is is the best so i've got a kind of gag that i i, I te- well it's not a gag but it's kind of a bit cringy cliched line but you know if you described exercise like a drug if, if you recorded its side effect profile and its potential benefits like it would knock every medication out of the water by a mile because it's got impact on literally every aspect of the body your bone health your you know diabetes weight um your life expectancy breathing everything is is affected by exercise and um it's also extremely safe and free you know so it it just if we could bottle it as a pill you'd be a multi-billionaire um so absolutely it's the number one thing i recommend and um anyone can benefit you know no matter what level you are starting at any exercise is better than nothing and more exercise is generally better. Now I make a slight caveat because some people at the extreme end of doing loads of exercise, then we actually see the benefits sort of plateau. And there's even a small signal that there might be some increased risk of certain things if you do excessive exercise, which we can chat about if you like. But the um, uh, but ex- yeah, I mean, you know, I, I try and encourage everyone to do a bit of exercise. But for my patients, that's not the kind of stuff that you do it's much more just walking to the shops you know and and a lot of their goals are very very different and they will have um a diff- very different starting point so uh, I, this is something i'm still you know really learning um uh, and continue to learn and some of my colleagues who are the kind of nurse specialists who look at the cardiac rehab stuff after people have had a heart attack they're the real experts and if you look at all the stuff i do with a patient you know if i put a stent in or do certain procedure on their heart the biggest impact comes from that exercise program 
you know, mm. still so after a heart attack. So it's a, it's a real unsung hero. Yeah. And I always find that it, it's so sad, I find, especially with what I do and what I hopefully try to promote is that the only reasons a lot of, so many people engage in physical activity is just to change the shape of their bodies or to change their body weight. Yeah, yeah, I mean, for sure. A whole host of other health benefits and reasons to engage it, which extend just beyond health benefits, but mental health benefits as well. Yeah, mood, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah. And and everything else is such a a sad thing. Off on a slight tangent, because I have to ask you, space. Where does the fascination with space come from as well? And how was it experiencing zero gravity? Yeah, yeah, I mean... That that was, was, uh, I only discovered that, I think, from you quite recently did you do that over the last year or so i did that just over a year ago but then i went back to the european space agency a few weeks ago to do an event um about the mission to to to, to the moon i've seen a video of you spinning and getting quite yeah busy. yeah oh, that was yeah that was that was uh, a real once in a lifetime experience and that's purely because of youtube you know so they just invited me along they they watched the youtube channel Incredible. so you know th- th- that alone has justified making the channel because that that was something I've always wanted to do. Um, the the interest comes, I always wanted to be an astronaut, actually. That was my dream. And I did a degree in space medicine and I, I thought I was going to be the doctor, you know, like applying to, to become a, an astronaut and go on a mission. And I did a sort of placement with NASA and, and th- their time frame when I was back at uni in the early noughties um, was 2015 or 2018, they, they, they were telling me that they were going to be going to Mars or something. So that's what I thought I would aim for. And then obviously, you know, none of that time frame has ever happened. Um, and the thing is, when you come from the UK, there are very few opportunities to apply to, ast- to astronaut training. In, in America, NASA, they take every two years. Whereas Tim Peake, you might remember the, the British astronaut from who was in the International Space Station a few years ago. So he applied in 2008. So I was too young then. And then the next round was only um, last year. So, uh-huh. you know, yeah. that was a huge gap. And in that period, I just kind of decided that it's not going to happen and just went down a conventional route. But it meant that by the time that the applications did open, I kind of, you know, my career was heading in the wrong way and it was i didn't have the the in the the relevant expertise and stuff um and on this recent trip i actually met one of the guys who was successful um who applied through that application process and um very nice guy um oh sorry just one sec dan i'm just i'm just <laughs> I'll, I'll come out later i'll come out later sorry i forgot to lock the door <laughs> that's all right what a, a small creature crept in small creature crept in yeah <laughs> my office is at the end of the garden so i i've said my good yeah. <laughs> that, that's the way to do it yeah um but uh yeah so so i kind of accepted that my career is not going to go on the space route but i've i've maintained an interest and now it's quite nice that i can just be involved without actually yeah. doing any of the work um well, I, I, as you said that you know once in a lifetime experience going up there and I, I gather one of the biggest things that people associate with space is zero gravity so having experienced yeah. a part of it is yeah absolutely huge oh amazing if anyone wanted i'm very conscious of your time your precious valuable time especially if you got to say good nights if anyone wants to find out a little bit more about you we've mentioned youtube also nebula i just want to quickly ask you about nebula your streaming or mm. you and a bunch of other creators in this. I haven't actually had an opportunity to have a look at it yet, but if if you could direct people there or maybe talk about that, your podcast as well. That's Well, a podcast isn't really a podcast. It, I've just decided to put the audio of some of my videos in a podcast form for people who, who want to listen because some of my videos is just basically me talking. So you're not you're not losing anything by not looking at my face in fact you could argue that it's 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 an improvement um well, I, there's a there's an epic mustache you can grow i envy that mustache oh yeah the facial hair has become a kind of character in itself but <laughs> um yeah i'm 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 in youtube and and twitter and and instagram and all the usual places as medlife crisis and nebula is 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 a streaming service that that we started up um which uh, is you know, a subscription thing, but it's, it's it's really not very expensive. And there's, I think maybe almost 200 creators on there making content. Some of their content is on YouTube, but there's also exclusive stuff there as well. And it's been a really interesting 
process. I, I, I mean, I'm not really involved in the in the business side, uh, except you know, like discussion, sort of high level discussions and stuff. Um, but uh, it's just been fantastic to be involved in the team building building something new, startup, and um, very exciting. And and it seems to be going really well. So, you know, with social media landscape changing, you know, now with it looks like we may be coming out of the era where a lot of social media was free because, you know, Twitter now, Facebook, all offering paid tiers and everything. I think Instagram are introducing like a yeah. paid pay for your verification and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing with these tech billionaires. They all, they're all <laughs> such individuals. They have this all, all have different ideas, don't they? But, um, uh, so, so it, it's nice to, to to have this kind of side thing, and, and it's been a nice passion project. Um, so, uh, you know, if people want to, to take a look, um, nebula.tv, and then you can um, uh, sign up if, if you like and, and uh, get access to that stuff. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's just it's just a fun, fun thing we've been doing. Yeah, I, I really respect that, actually, that it's not even the intention to have it as like a, a side project, if you like, the fact that you've just got a, another creative outlet that you can passionately direct things kind of why i want to do this podcast as well is just a, another i like longer form conversation I totally like yeah yeah and just a, another creative outlet without any real agenda or aim or focus as i said i've probably got two listeners so um yeah thank you so much from me thank you for all the information you put out thank you for your time because i know that's precious know. and valuable that's i really cool. appreciate you and um yeah i hope that people get lots from this hope so too yeah thanks so much for the invite it's it's yeah, lovely really to, to chat properly it. after talking lots on online for yeah. a few years i have to be in real life at, at some point yeah 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 that, that been i we've we've got a, a mutual friend in in mike um who uh i i also haven't met in person but i've actually oh, really? met his family uh, <laughs> oh, randomly tell me actually because you, you visited his mum. because yeah 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 so so um yeah we've, we've got all we've got to try and um get together sometime although I, you know, I, I'd feel very out of place at one of those uh, fitness events. I'll have to, <laughs> I'll have to take some of the unlicensed supplements in advance. <laughs> but you are, um, I'm not going to, um, I haven't been peering through your window admiring your, your pincushions or anything like that, but you are a, a fellow Essex Shire person as well, aren't you? I, I Yeah, yeah. It's just as of one year or so now, Yeah, moved out of London to Colchester. Okay. Yeah. Not, not, not too far from me. I'm um, Shubri Ness. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still... Still yes, learning nothing. the geography. Yes, happened. Yeah, yeah. Not not far at all. <laughs> Thanks again. I'm going to stop recording there. But I, um, if you do like this, rate this, share it with friends and all that kind of stuff. Leave a nice review if you like it as well. Thanks. <laughs>